now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Pat Panetta in a minute, a good friend of Macquarie Radio while Mark Van Aken takes a break for a month. And while we're all on the edge of our seats waiting for next week's start to the Socceroos tie with Honduras, we're going to get started on the show for the very first time on Box to Box with Football Federation Victoria's Manager of Strategy, former NSL player Will Hasty. He's going to join us in the studio to chat to us about that very World Cup date with Destiny and stick around for a couple of other segments. But there is still plenty going on on and off the pitch, including a blockbuster top of the table match tonight between Melbourne City and Sydney FC. We'll also chat to Terry McFlynn, former Sky Blue champion and current football manager ahead of the game which kicks off in a couple of hours then of course we'll wrap up the first hour as we always do with a preview of round five of the a-league with our man dean hennessy who's also on a bit of a roving commission around australia and around the world for the next month he's out of town and we will be joining him on the phone to talk about the a-league and his usual stuff coming into this weekend's round of football in the second hour of course we'll kick off with second edition news then ffa director of referees ben wilson joins us to talk through just how the video assistant referee the var is going after last week's controversy in the Sydney-Perth game before Will jumps into the Europe chair for the action from the other side of the world. And we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, uh, there's never a quiet week in football. No, the, the week's theme. You know I like to start the uh, the show with a with a sort of three or four items that uh, caught my attention during the week. And hello to listeners to Box to Box right around Australia, in, in particular those Melbourne City fans that are just jumping in the trains tonight on the way to the huge game at Amy Park. Against and the Sydney, Sydney ones in a cab from the airport. They mate. will the, be, yeah, they'll be, will be on the way down. They'll be in traffic <laughs> listening to NTS. Sure, sure. Hey, um, but it was all about pressure this week. I'll tell you what, there's four people where the pressure is mounting. Ange Postacoglu, the Socceroos coach, didn't he have a, a moment in the sunlight with his press conference. What was a slow news day became all about Ange, and we're going to talk to Will in the second segment in detail about that. And uh, the Honduras president, he's under a little bit of pressure too because he's had a whinge. He's actually uh, got into the, the equivalent of their national parliament over there and given the Australian media a well and truly right rule baking about the way they've been portraying his nation to the world, and he's probably partly it's right. Probably guilty as charged. I think we are guilty as charged. So all those people, Liam uh, Mannix at the Fairfax and... Uh, all the people at News Corp that have been... You Did know, he mention Box to Box in his tirade? He didn't. He should have, but okay. he didn't. But uh, he's under pressure. Uh, I'll tell you well, who, who else is under pressure is Stephen Lowy. Oh, I'll tell you what, as he, uh, talk about the shifting sands under someone's feet, yeah. uh, when he thought he had the Football Federation of Victoria and Football Federation of New South Wales in his corner, sort he didn't. It reminds me of that quicksand on he Gilligan's didn't. Island. So there is a lot to talk about um, over the next couple of weeks about what's going to unravel for Stephen Lowy and whether he will make it to the end of uh, the end of that deadline and will FIFA decide to back him or back uh, the club. So a bit, of, bit, bit, bit of that to talk about. And, and I'll tell you what, there's, there's, there's one person person in Melbourne who might be thankful that Australia's in this playoff against Honduras, might be thankful that Stephen Lowry's capturing some of the football headlines, mm. and that's Kevin Musket. <laughs> One point, four games, brother. Yeah. I reckon he's a little bit under the pump. And Melbourne Victory fans, they haven't been they're playing really badly. I mean, it's not like they, they don't. No, they haven't been like playing badly, but it's a results game, brother. And yeah. uh, they've got one point mm. from four games, and they will be uh, well and truly pumped up for the Cup Eve match on Monday night. So sorry to steal all your thunder, Pat. But That's okay. That's fine. 
You've, you've covered two up all points. the news stories. <laughs> Sorry, they've got two points. I should say they've got two points. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the show, Paddy. Thank and, you, uh, mate, um, you're sitting in the chair for a couple of weeks and, uh, and rolling through some of uh, the big items in football. No pressure, Pat. No pressure on you, Pat. Uh, well, the, the, you were just saying the no theme of the week Pat. is pressure. So we've got <laughs> Pasta Coglu, uh, Lowy, and the rest of the people you mentioned, and Pat Panetta under pressure. <laughs> Get us going, Paddy. All right, so yes, the story of the week, uh, Ange Postacoglu fronted the media this week to announce his 25-man squad uh, in next month's do-or-die playoff against Honduras. We'll cover Actually, it's already this month because... Uh, oh, that it is was, too. Uh, we've, we've hit yeah, November. Yes, we have. So uh, that's very true. So we'll talk about that, as you mentioned, with our guest, uh, the emotional response from Ange Postacoglu. That's coming up very, very soon. And we'll analyse the uh, the squad, the ins and outs. So and I Paddy, won't cover that off yet, will I, boys? We'll talk but, about that later. But you certainly have listened to that audio. What did, what did you make of it as a seasoned media professional? Uh, uh, look, I, I, we had a uh, chat with Edge off the air, and I agree with Michael that it went on a bit long. Um, the the audio that we'll play in the next segment is the emotional response from from Postacoglu. I think that was, uh, if you put it in context, it was towards the the end of the press conference. By then, I think he was frustrated with the same question over and over again. Mm. Um, it was a sort of a, a loose outburst, and I think um, yeah, it was quite emotional. Um, and I just don't know why we just can't move on and focus on their next event. All right, mate, and the squad. Uh, the squad, the ins and outs. Do you want me to tell you a bit about that, or do we want to cover it off with uh, Will in the next segment? Uh, I think segment? you just um, roll on into uh, what you've got lined yeah. up for the next segment. All right. Uh, Socceroos uh, skipper Mile Jedinak, of course, has been included. That's good news. Returning back from injury. Norway-based defender Alex Gersback returns uh, to replace injured Brad Smith. Uncapped Austrian-based midfielder James Jago also comes in, replacing Mark Milligan and Matthew Leckie. I know we'll talk about that. They're have been suspended and they won't be covered off in the first leg. A uh, few tr- players have been dropped as well. Five players dropped, and we'll uh, analyse that 25-man yeah, squad Giddy, later. Mustafa, Amini, Aiden Hustik, Awa Mabil, and Jamie McLaren. I'm surprised McLaren uh, has been dropped, but um, Postecoglou seems confident with his squad. That's one thing we've never really criti- criticised other squads. They seem to be the best of what we've got. Absolutely, but uh, look, the big news is. Um, is Mila Yedinak, uh, and Pat's right, that's the headline. He comes back. If he can, and I think Will Hastie will talk about him in our next segment, but if he can get some more time for Aston Villa on the weekend, um, he's an option probably for the Sydney League. Yeah, but let's see what happens. Um, fascinating to see who's going to play the first game in Honduras. Can't, yeah. can't wait to, to see who that uh, what, what, what that team's going to be. Yeah, but, Pat, absolutely. what's next? You've got something about... Uh, about a typical Honduran food, haven't you? Oh, I do too. I saw I that. And I, thought some the I thought that was going to get rolled into stoppage time, but <laughs> no, I can no, see this. It looks good. Yeah, it does, doesn't I'll tell you what. I've just, you know, it's first week uh, on the on the program, and I've just gone over and above here. I did Google, uh, yeah, typical food in Honduras. You mentioned, or we'll talk about this later, the uh, the way the media has portrayed. Um, you know, Central America and uh, whether it's accurate or not. But anyway, this is what you'll eat when you're over there. Uh, carne asada. Carne asada. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Rob. So it's grilled beef after marinating with lemon, vinegar, sugar, black pepper and uh, cumin seed. Does that it's sound just nice? just that cumin seed would add a nice little touch yeah, to that. Yeah, I've charred flavour complemented by the tanginess of the lemon. Ooh, I just wonder, I don't think that will be in the players' buffet, but it might sneak into the coaches' buffet. I reckon they might. I reckon it might with... sneak into the coaches' buffet, and I think Ange Postacoglu might be saying, mmm, have a bit of that. <laughs> a bit of chilli. Now, we, now, we're going to talk, I know, uh, with Will Hasty um, coming up about, um, you know, the... Uh, 
uh, Manuel Figueroa's um, uh, comments um, about the Australian media, which reflects some of those of the, the president. But he hasn't been happy, the former Hull defender. No, he hasn't. Uh, he's not happy with the way it's been perceived, but he does say on the ground uh, that he'll, he says uh, that uh, it, the country is not in a state of war. So when you come and play, you'll meet soccer people. But on the field, it mm. will be war. So strong words from him. Mm. It'll be strong uh, defending and attacking football from the team. But fair enough. I mean, look, there. we've look, we we are guilty of of being uh, you know sort of uh, sensationalist with the murder capital of the world and all the rest of it. But uh, but you know we're we're uh, not exactly. Um, um, you know, uh, uh, going perfectly ourselves. I mean, we could introduce them to a few of the guys from Apex or uh, or some of those other clowns that roll around uh, yeah. in the suburbs of this country who uh, would be right at home, um, you know, in any murder capital. Well, that's right. I mean, there's there's always negative stories, no matter where you live. I've never been there. I'm not sure if you have, Edge, uh, to... Uh... I've been to um, Central America and, and Brazil, obviously, with my work. And, um, and look, the only point I'll say is that Honduras is no more dangerous than Brazil. Mm. It's no more dangerous than Argentina. Mm. There are uh, areas that you need to avoid. Um, and I think, uh, I think the media has treated the Honduran people... The Australian media has treated the Honduran people with a, a lack of... Uh, disregard that uh, we just need to reflect on and, and call it out. Simple as that. All right. Yeah. It's going to be hot too. Mm. I hear the weather's going to be hot, so there's another thing to think about, the climate as well. Uh, Football Federation Australia, FFA, has caved to demands and postponed this week's uh, EGM, Extraordinary General Meeting. Now, that was the crunch meeting that was called to try to push through the new Congress model, staunchly opposed by the clubs and players' union. And the meeting's been uh, rescheduled for November 27 by the FFA after discovering it did not have enough votes to pass the motion. Absolutely. And there's a lot in this, isn't there? So we might just unpack it a little bit. So Stephen Lowy was heading towards an EGM with what he had thought he had the support of New South Wales and Victoria, which would have given him the numbers to get his preferred Congress model over the line. That support evaporated this week. Uh, it's quite a big news. Um, it forced the uh, FFA to cancel the EGM, reschedule it, uh, and then continue to lobby. Um, and during the week, there were news reports. Um, we can't uh, verify them, and it's a bit unfair to ask Will of them directly, but there are news reports that uh, FFE and New South Wales wrote a very stern letter to... Uh, the FFA saying that they wouldn't change their mind from um, withdrawing their support and wanted more consensus. And um, and it looks like a negotiation's on again about what might uh, change with uh, Lowy's model to get it across the line. So there's a lot in this. There is a lot in this. There'll be a lot of um, politicking, lobbying and phone calls and behind-the-scenes meetings, I reckon, in the next week. Um, but uh, I actually think uh, more about what's after this uh, there has to be a deal done. Um, there has to be a deal done. So when a deal done, what's it look like, and, and is the fallout so great that will that it will have a, a long-lasting impact on the on the governance of the game? We're going to find out, Paddy. Um Stick around for uh, the next hour because one of your big breaking news items, which we haven't even touched on yet, is the appointment of Josip Gombau uh, as the, uh, the new Western Sydney Wanderers coach. So, look, let's wrap it up right now because we're going to go to a break. And after that break, we're going to talk to Will Hasty, the Football Federation of Victoria's Manager of Strategy, because we are going to dissect this Ange Postacoglu situation, the Socceroo situation, in a lot more detail. Stick around. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. You can stream us on the World Wide Web. Of course, on digital radio and the podcast on box to box NTS.com.au. Now, 
The Socceroos announcement was this week, but as is his want in recent times, uh, Ange Postacoglu uh, gave us a bit of a quirky press conference and tended to overshadow uh, the announcement of the side. Is this a grand master plan or is this the coach? having a series of wobblies. Michael, we welcome a very good friend of yours and a, a new friend of the show, Will Hasty, to the program. Will uh, is a man who we introduced at the, the top of the first hour with the FFV and uh, a uh, proud background with the NSL and a pretty handy footballer in his day, mate. Well, he did. Back in 1989, he played with Celtic, believe it or not, uh, yes. and uh, then he then he had a little loan spell at uh, Sligo Rovers. And in the, I think in stoppage time, we're going to have a talk about Celtic and Sligo Rovers and let uh, Will expand on those, those magnificent times. But good afternoon, Will. It's great to have you here. I'm really thrilled to have... Uh, one of the NSL's most underrated number sixes in the studio with us. He played down at Gippsland Falcons. He was a gritty number six. He used to let tackles used to go flying. And, uh, and I must admit, it was a couple of years ago that Will and I we we went and saw Melbourne Victory play, and we saw Lee Broxham, which these days. Um, Playing a number six role, which he doesn't do a lot anymore because he's such a utility. But he, this day he did play the number six, and it was it just took me back to watching Will play at Gippsland. He was flying the tackles in. So g'day, Will. Great to have you on Box the Box. Oh, thanks, Edge. And Lee's one of my faves. Certainly uh, like the style in which he uh, plays his football and uh, the standards to which he keeps. So. Um, I'll take that as a uh, as a comparison anyway. But a, I think. But a celebrated career in football for Will Hasty um, uh, on and off the park. Obviously Celtic, young Socceroos, um, Gippsland, uh, Gippsland Falcons in the National Soccer League, Sligo Rovers, Cup winners in Ireland, all, all to, mm-hmm. to write for. But uh, but also off the park, uh, Will a decorated career at the PFA and uh, now working at the FFE. And we've got Will in to talk about a few things today. And we're going to kick off with. All of the uh, the conjecture around Ange Postacoglu, and then we're going to talk about his squad selection. In particular, I wanted to get Will's views on who will come into the team to the starting eleven to replace Milligan and Leckie, who have been such crucial players for us. But first of all, the demeanour of the coach this week was really interesting. We've got a grab. Uh, we're going to listen to that now of Ange's press conference, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Oh, mate, my legacy. You know what? I know what my legacy is. And it's never going to be defined by one result or one. Uh, I hope my legacy will be is that you know I'm someone who believed in something and followed it through. The rest of it, you know, in the last in the last little period, I've been I've been called Con Postacoglu because Con and Ange obviously are easily misinterpreted, both ethnic names. I've had my surname twisted in headlines for something really clever and funny, which took me back to my primary school days. I've been called uh, egocentric, selfish. Um, I've been there's been calling calls for me to get sacked. You know what? But I'm still here, and I won't change who I am and what I believe. Um, that'll be my legacy. And some people won't like that because they don't like me and the way I do. Others may appreciate that, but. That's that's what my legacy will be. It won't be a result or uh, or a performance. Is that kind of criticism you? No, it doesn't hurt me. Just as I said, that's that's how people want to define uh, me at the present moment after 30 years of football in this country. So, as I said, if I start, um, you know, changing the way I am because of that kind of stuff, then. Um, like I said, then I, then I do tarnish my legacy. Will, I felt 
awkward listening to that, that um, the first time, and I still feel the same way. Um, you know, I come from a background of, of immigrants. You know, I, uh, I've got a, a Lebanese mother, and I caught plenty of crap growing up. Um, I'm married to an Italian girl, and, yeah, there was plenty of crap. But, you know, four or five decades on, you move on. And, yeah, people have a bit of a crack at you about certain things. But, but it's just... Um, the sort of stuff that uh, you know, unless it's really, really nasty stuff, that what what he's describing there to me is uh, is is not representative of the way the Australian public or press view him. What what do you take out of that? I certainly agree with that. I, I don't think uh, that's how Ange is viewed by the the public in any way. Um, in actual fact, when I heard the comments, I, I saw you know some of the usual um, um, Australian football media icons starting to work through to try and understand where where the comments had come from and I'm not even sure um, where they came from or, or if anybody sort of validated um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the the con and the Ange piece that, that Ange referred to in there. Um, but I'll certainly say this, I think uh, Ange is, is right, he's, he, he knows what his legacy will be and he stands for a style of football that he's been very clear with to the Australian public, particularly in the latter part of the qualification phase and, and, and I certainly applaud him for having um, a philosophy that he believes in and for being unequivocal in how he's gone about um, creating that philosophy on the football field. And when you're the leader of um, the national team, um, you know, it's, it's entirely up to him to, to stand and fall on his terms. And I don't think any of us can doubt that he, that he hasn't wavered from that. And, and uh, as a football manager, I think that clarity is something that, that I'd applaud him for. And uh, I think he'll certainly be missed. Um, we'll, we'll miss him, and, and and you know, whenever that is. And obviously, he said that um, that's at the end of this World Cup campaign, and and I hope it is in Russia. Of course, we all hope it is in Russia. Um, but I, I think he'll he'll be missed, and and I, I hope that we can just focus on these two games against Honduras, um, get ourselves to to Russia, and. And I would like to hope that Ange is, is the leader at Russia and, and leads us through um, a successful uh, World Cup finals. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talks. Well, we're talking to the Football Federation of Victoria's manager of strategy, Will Hasty, former NSL player, decorated and very authoritative voice on the game edge. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, uh, Will will know that I will look at this probably two ways. Uh, the first way I look at it is a person who used to work uh, in the elite level of sport. That was a press conference that went too long. Um, they would have known uh, the barrage of questions about his future. He would have copped at the very beginning, which he did. Um, I just thought that was a poorly handed exercise on behalf of the FFA. They did, And the people running the, the media unit there did really hang Andrew out to dry there. It should have been off the front, guys. Um, you know, I know that you're going to ask uh, 15 questions about Andrew's future. You know you only get one answer, so uh, the first person asks the, the first person can ask the question. After that answer, we're going to move on. I would have jumped in and stopped that. And secondly, um, moving on from there, I think that the, the 
the, it just went too long, yeah. and he he just he had too much rope, yeah. and you know it, it's it, it's a, he's look it's a it was a, a smoldering fire. It's that a job that's under pressure. He needs more support than that. I, I, I'm disappointed from that perspective. Having said that, he is the national coach. He should be equipped to be able to handle those questions, and in particular, you know uh, he, that was a ramble. Um, there was a whole lot of mixed thoughts and emotion in that. Didn't look good. Doesn't reflect well on him. But at the end of the day, it happened. Um, it's a bit of an old cliche. For any coach, uh, the, nec- the, the most important game is the next one, and he's got the most important, two most important games of his career coming up. It will, it will have an impact on his legacy if we get booted out of the World Cup at this stage. And imagine when, when we win. Notice how I say that. Notice how I say that. Well, when we win, yeah, I, I agree. it'll have an awesome impact on his uh, legacy because he will be able to be able to not only be the Asian Cup winner, but he'll, he'll make also, a good he'll also be the first. Book. You know, the first Australian-born coach to, to to take us on to, well, the Australian homegrown coach to take us to the World Cup. Yeah, and, and, and I totally agree with that. I, I think the question um, is, does that stuff affect the players? Um, Not at all. And, Not and, and, and that's exactly where I'm going, Edge. That, that won't make um, one scrap of difference to the players, to their preparation, to the focus that they'll have. In, that's in a really important response there, Will. And, I mean, you know, critically... You know, are you convinced of that? Absolutely, absolutely. The the players won't be bothered about this um, one bit, and and they'll only be focused on um, you know two football matches of of what we hope's ninety minutes, and 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 the preparation that that is required of them to get through those ninety minutes, and and you know, Angel Angel obviously take uh, some of the pressure of of whatever it is that he's feeling. And um, and and some of the, the the media focus that's that's on the non-football side of things, but I, I don't think it'll Im- impact the players' preparation. Well, speaking of the players, let's have a talk about that for the moment. Will I'm going to ask you a question? Um, Mark Millian plays in that number six role, doesn't he? So yeah. he'll he'll be missing, suspended for the game against Honduras. Um, he's going to have a, have to have a straight. Uh, someone could probably come in out of the team to play in that position. If you were Ange Postacoglu. Who would it be? Yeah, look, great news with Mille Jednak um, getting some time with Aston Villa on the weekend. Um, That's wonderful for both the leadership of the team, but specifically that number six position. He adds... You know, significant presence, significant leadership on the field, and and is a, a really important member of of this squad. But he so. doesn't have a work rate like Mark Milligan, does he? Uh, well, well, technically, uh, I would say it'd be it'd be close to to Mark Milligan. The question will be about his fitness yeah. to to go through that ninety minutes. So. Um, I would uh, I'd look at Jackson for the first well, game. Well, he Jackson played Irvine. Jackson in that role in in Tokyo, and you know there was a. There was a lot of people suggesting that he struggled there. Yeah, you know my view on on the Tokyo away game, Edgley and for our <laughs> we've talked about for, that for just, our, just briefly for those of us who don't. <laughs> for our listeners, um, it, it, that's a difficult fixture and a difficult uh, fixture for anyone, particularly playing in the midfield in in Japan away. Um, that's one of the toughest international football fixtures you'll get. So. Um, and and uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily judge um, Jackson's uh, capability and, and quality that he adds to the team just on. I'm tipping San Pedro night. San Pedro de Sula in Honduras is equally as difficult as Tokyo. Yeah, probably oh, maybe a bit a bit more. 
Yeah, uh, well, maybe from an in, uh, an intensity point of view and uh, the atmosphere in the ground. Tension, yeah. yeah tension mm-hmm. tension was pretty big in Japan, by the way. Point yeah. of view. But Jax has done very well, um, done very well since he's come into the team and extremely well in that role. And, I, and what I like about Jackson's game is is his ability to actually get forward and get into the box and, yeah. and, and provide you with another goal-scoring opportunity. Um, I think it's going to be taxing on the midfielders to play the two games in the time frame that they have, particularly their their domestic teams weekend yep. fixture, the travel to Honduras yep. and then the travel back to Australia to, to Sydney. Yeah. So I would I would look for for Jackson in game one with with hopefully Mille getting another 90 minutes under his game with Villa um, this weekend and then and then potentially Mille game two. Mm. Interesting. Well, you're going to stick around for the second hour. I know uh, um, we've uh, we've got a busy show tonight, but um, we want to talk to you uh, about Europe tonight because our man Dean Hennessy, uh, who is also a bloke who would be well known to you, uh, is uh, jaunting around Australia and around the world. So he's on his roving commission, mate, and uh, you're one of the men filling the hot seat for us while he's gone. So hey, we'll uh, hopefully we'll have you back um, in a few weeks' time, mate, and we'll be reflecting on uh, you know our uh, prognostications ahead of this Honduras uh, tie and uh, and forecasting the results uh, for, for Russia. No problem. Look All forward right, to it. We'll talk to you in the second hour. We'll thank you very much for that. Stick around because next we have got Terry McFlynn coming in from the Sky Blues to talk to us about the blockbuster match tonight at Amy Park, the top of the table clash in the A-League. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal Welcome of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, he played in a few blockbuster matches for the Sky Blues in his days uh, wearing the colours. He's now the football manager for Sydney FC. Terry McFlynn, welcome back to Box to Box. Good, mate. We're really good. And uh, uh, you're uh, about to kick off uh, with this blockbuster tonight uh, against Melbourne City. Uh, all of the pundits uh, had expected Sydney to be sitting comfortably on top of the ladder by now. You're, you're in second spot and you've had a you know, a, um, a strong start to the season. But uh, I don't think many uh, thought that um, under Warren Joyce, uh, Melbourne City would be going uh, into this game with four straight wins. Yeah, look, we're very, very happy with where we sit at the minute. Uh, unbeaten start the season and in the FFA Cup final, so uh, yeah, like you said, we're, we're really happy with how we started this season. Terry, um, just a bit about Melbourne City. I mean, you would have done your homework on the club. They seem to be transformed in a defensive structure this year. I mean, it's been a lot's already been said about that. It, it appears that Warren Joyce has made that a big focus and priority. It must be a very different-looking uh, Melbourne City that you that you face up against uh, compared to last year, just in terms of the way that they, they structure. Yeah, look, I'm not sure what. What they've, they've been focusing on, obviously, that's not our priority at Sydney FC. Our priority is always ourselves, and uh, we treat every opponent with the, the respect that they, they deserve. And the boss has analysed Melbourne um, as he does every week with every team, and um, yeah, that's been uh, communicated to the players in, in the analysis and how how we'll go about the game tonight. And so our main focus is always on ourselves. And what about um, what about your your guys? Do you have any uh, injury worries going into this game? Is there anyone that uh, is unavailable, or have you got a full book to choose from? Well, look, obviously the only one who's, who's unavailable is Ryan Grant. Yeah. Um, we lost him in pre-season, but look, Oakshire has come in and he's been fantastic for us from the minute he came to the club. And uh, so yeah, everyone's fit and healthy, and um, like I said, the preparation's been done all week, and we're we're ready for the game. 
I mean, um, sometimes uh, with uh, Socceroos players that uh, that uh, do play overseas, like Luke, we forget how because we, we don't see them for a couple of years uh, regularly. And obviously, Luke has been playing in Russia, which is hard to get uh, footage of from time to time. It has been a sensational uh, delight to see Luke going around again, and he looks in really, really good shape and good form. I mean, just can you talk to us about his preseason and the impact someone of um, so, so much quality and experience has made just around the place in a short time? Yeah, look, looks a wonderful footballer. Um, you know, at the fact, you know, you don't play as many games in the top level in Russia, England, and Holland um, that he has over the years, and, and uh, not be a top player and to play 80, 86 times for your country, uh, various World Cups, speaks volumes of, of his ability, and um, he's great for us uh, to have at the football club, not just from his quality side, but also from the experience. Um, a lot of our young players can learn what it is to be a professional at that level. Um, and again, we're very lucky to, to have right across the board international footballers like Alex Wilkinson, David Carney, uh, Adrian Majewski, uh, Milos Ninkovic, um, like I say, Luke Wilkie as well. I think there's over, over 250 first grade international caps at the club. So that's something that uh, we pride ourselves on as a club that we're able to attract these type of, of top quality players. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Sydney FC football manager Terry McFlynn about the blockbuster, which is only an hour or two away. And uh, in terms of um, the, uh, the, the the atmosphere in Melbourne, uh, I guess uh, you know the, the focus is all on uh, the, the game tonight for the players. That's that's without a shadow of a doubt. But uh, but but it is a big weekend in Melbourne, and the players uh, are uh, you know setting the scene for, for for a lot of action going on in this city over the weekend. Um, They'll be, uh, I guess, conscious that, um, that 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 Melbourne City, um, you know, are up and about and uh, and 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 expecting a, a real tough battle in front of what will hopefully be uh, uh, one of the biggest crowds they've uh, managed to draw outside of a derby in recent times. Yeah, look, we we always enjoy coming to Melbourne, um, especially Amy Park. Um, you know, for me and I know for the players as well, it's, it's probably one of the best uh, playing surfaces mm. in in Australia for true genuine football stadium and um, that all out to the spectacle tonight and then like you said it, um, we expect a, a good crowd there tonight um, with two teams that are sitting like you said top of the table um, so it's got all the, all the ingredients of a, a really good top game of football Terry, um, we understand, uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, on the show early in the early segment that uh, the referees now are able to give uh, coaches yellow cards and red cards um, yeah. to, to um, enhance the sort of understanding of the fans in terms of warning coaches. <laughs> I mean, I know you're going to give me a, a, a complete uh, straight bat here, but um, we had a bit of a, a whip around and... Um, um, some people suggesting Arnie, because Melbourne City and uh, Sydney are the first uh, first game of the weekend, that Arnie's the red-hot favourite to get a yellow card. <laughs> oh, look, I'm not sure. <laughs> that would be. I think you know, the boss is um, he's definitely mellowed in the last couple of years. But, uh, <laughs> really? We haven't noticed. I think it's a good, uh, again, it's an initiative from Football Federation Australia, and it's, a, uh, it's another step forward for the game in the in, the FFA taking a, a proactive approach and being a world leader in, in implementing these things, similar to what we've seen with the VAR. Um, mm. Obviously, there's going to be objections and there's going to be um, people opposing to it, but uh, 
that's the world we live in today, and it's, it's about getting used to it and accepting it and moving on. Yeah, it sure is. We're going to talk to Ben Wilson, the FFA Football, uh, the Director of Referees, um, in the second hour about this. T- thanks for having a bit of fun with us there, Terry. Uh, listen, we wish you good luck tonight. We're all looking forward to a, a, a massive match, and hopefully uh, it will uh, it will justify its top billing. Thanks for your time, boys. Not at all, Terry. Next up, Dino is back from Queensland. He's going to go through all the rest of the A-League round next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course the podcast on Box to Box NTS.com.au. Now, there is a noted absence in the studio today. He's been ably uh, uh, assisted uh, or replaced, is probably the word I was looking for, by Will Hasty. So, in fact, uh, management have just called through, Rob, uh, while you were talking to Nigel, and <laughs> they would like uh, Will's phone number. Okay, so I think a, they might want to uh, say to Dino, you take too many holidays. I see a review of all positions. Welcome, Dean Hennessy from there Malulaba. Go, <laughs> How are you, Dino? I'm very good, and uh, let me tell you, Will Hasty would be a really good replacement. <laughs> good on you, Dino. We did have a little, we did have a little trouble uh, with Will uh, keeping to restrictive time com- time commitments. He seems to talk a lot. Um, Will can talk underwater with a mouthful of golf balls. Ah, he did beautifully. <laughs> now, before we go, boys, because the weather is probably perfect up in your part of the world, and it's also perfect in Hawaii, where Palmer's and Chemist Warehouse want you and a friend to say aloha. All expenses paid, of course, just buy any two Palmer's products from their skincare or hair care range. Then visit chemistwarehouse.com.au. You'll see the beautiful page uh, for this promotion. Airfares will be taken care of, as well as transfers, if you happen to win the competition. Now, the competition is all about $1,000 spending money, a $200 Chemist Warehouse voucher, and a Palmer's travel pack. And then you're off to paradise. Five nights at the Hilton Hawaiian Village Waikiki Beach Resort. There's loads of runner-up prizes, too, so Start packing and start shopping for your two Palmer's skincare and hair care products. Make sure you check out the Palmer's coconut oil formula range. I bet you're slapping it on up there, Dino. T's and C's apply. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. Get onto the website and get into this competition. Now, Dino, a competition that we are fairly red hot looking after, looking forward to is the, the game that kicks off in uh, a couple of hours' time tonight at Amy Park, Melbourne City and Sydney FC. Um, this is a real blockbuster. Hopefully the crowd will reflect that. Well, hopefully it does. You know, I think I put in my notes when I sent them through to you guys that, you know, you're really looking for at least 15,000 plus. Yes. And, it, and if it's not 15,000 plus, it just really tells us where we are right now at, the, at this moment in, in, in the game because the, the, the tendencies in the first four rounds are all down mm. and considerably down. And, and it's a worrying, it's a really worrying trend. But, you know, we've got a really blockbuster round in round mm. five. We've got three games we call in football terms the six-pointers where mm-hmm. those results if you win and you jump mm-hmm. all of a sudden it can just change your season on, yeah. on one game so this game tonight is massive it's 1v2 yeah. um, you've got two teams that really really defend well and, um, and look at I think it's the first one will blink uh, I, I always fancy uh, Sydney FC I think they've got a track record from last year but this Melbourne City and uh, and we obviously had their manager on the show last week. Uh, they're mm, very buoyant, mm. and uh, they're leading the competition. and And this will be a massive result. I mean, if they were to win, mm. all of a sudden there'd be a five point gap on Sydney FC, which, in terms of what we know about the football from last year, mm. that was never the case. So, no. 
Really, really important game. Well, I'm tipping Melbourne City, and, and you know, on the crowds, it's going to. I, I think it will be a big crowd this weekend because you've got the Derby Day tomorrow, Melbourne Cup next week. Um, you know, the FFA have done really well fixturing this round around all the visitors that will come to Melbourne. So uh, I, I'm, I'm tipping a, a big game tonight, and um, an edge. Uh, I reckon uh, City is going to win this one in a uh, high-scoring blockbuster. Dino, um, I mean, Melbourne City's defence seems to be. Trans- transformed from last year. I mean, we know yeah, Sid- so. we know Sydney FC's defence is miserly. Are we expecting a tense, dour, um, you know, um, um, a, a, a game that's going to be played in tight spaces with not a lot of not a, not a lot of open play? Do you, do you sort of expect that tonight? I think I think early doors definitely they'll uh, they'll protect what they've already got. You know, that's a start. You know, you've got one point on the board already. But I think as the game expands, um, I think I think it'll be a bit cagey maybe in the first half. The second half, I think then they'll they'll come in and review what the first half looked like, and uh, and both will have an opinion on that on how they're going to attack the second half. And I think the second half, I think I reckon they're going to be plenty of goals. Both teams do defend well, but they've both got potent goal scorers in their team and. Um, and I just think, you know, Ross McCormack's form... He's playing... Uh, as as he, he looks a different sorry? class. He looks a different class, doesn't he? Oh, he does. And look, he is. And look, you know, this is, this is most probably one of the biggest points. When you look and review where does the A-League fit in world football, and you see him, who's having a bad time, come over and turn it on its head, it just shows you how far we are behind. Yeah. We've got a lot of work still to do even with our A-League, which is, I still think, a really good little competition. Who are you picking, Dino? Who, who uh, look, I, I always back Sydney FC, to be honest. He does, doesn't he? I think, I think they've just got the results on the board and, and they just know how to win. I think it's going to be a draw. And I'm talking high-scoring uh, results for Melbourne City. 3-2. I'm going to have a couple of dollars on that one So well. you're telling me that Edge is sitting on the offence, yeah? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. unusual. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tomorrow afternoon, um, there's a couple of um, good matches here, a couple of form sides. Um, Newcastle hosting Wellington. Um, th- that'll be a good game. And then the, the later match, uh, the 10 o'clock kickoff uh, on the East Coast, and um, and that'll be perfect evening time over there in Perth for our Perth listeners at NIB. Uh, Perth um, hosting Adelaide. So it's, it's a really good round this weekend so far. Well, look, Wellington last week, 3 0 up. And to give that away, I mean, it's unforgivable. Three three goals up, and then all of a sudden you, you only end up with a point. Mm. Newcastle Jets, it was a tight affair against Western Sydney Wonders last week. Um, and look, it's a new uh, it's a new Newcastle. I mean, obviously they've had the injury woes, obviously, and um, but Ernie Merrick and uh, Laurie McKinnon, our friends on the show, they've been really good and kind to us over the journey. And I look, I think at home, uh, Wellington travelling, I, I think Newcastle Jets. Yeah, I think Newcastle Jets, um, like you said, Dino, it's a new Newcastle, and isn't it great to see because that region is so, uh, football is so popular in that region, the fans are flooding back, it was a, there's been some good gates at their uh, home games to date. Newcastle, for me, Dino, I'm with you on that one. I mean, look, it's a, it's a big one as well, Edge, you, you know, all of a sudden, if, if Melbourne were to turn over Sydney, they could be finding themselves at the end of this weekend in second place. And, Huge game. And, I mean, another third now, but I mean, what a turnaround from last year. Yep, okay. Jets to win that one for me too, but uh, I don't think they'll have it all their own way in the later game, Dino. Perth, uh, Adelaide? Well, again, it's Perth, isn't it? You know, they, they uh, battered to deceive, really. I mean, uh, away from home, not really that good, but at home, I think, you know, 6v5, this is another six-pointer. Those two teams really are desperate for those three points, and it makes a big difference if they get them. So, 
You know, it's five points versus four points. I think Perth at home. But then again, I think I, I quite rate Adelaide. But I, I think at home, Perth are really, really good. They've got a good crowd behind them. And I'll back in Perth for this one. I didn't uh, I didn't like Perth's game last week. I didn't think they uh, played well at all. But at home, you can't tip against them. And like you, Dino, I do feel Adelaide has made great strides on last year. In fact, they have, more they? than great strides. I think they've... I think they're really going well, and I wouldn't be surprised if Adelaide got a result here, but I just can't tip against Perth at home. They are topsy-turvy. You know the away form and the home form um, always comes into play with this side. But, well, I'm tipping uh, Adelaide. Mm. Adelaide in an upset. Good on you, Rob. Oh, here we go. Very mm. good. Well, somebody's like got that. to be the devil's advocate, don't they? I like that, they? Rob. Well, I like to go out on a limb. Edge is just, just sort of <laughs> straight down the middle, you know, um, just a, a nice little... Out. Yeah, that's it. Um, a little, nice little lollipop outside off, and he just plays with between the arc. <laughs> I, I'm the sort of one who likes to hook off my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> How do you hook off your feet, by the way? Off your teeth, I said. Oh, right, you, okay. you know, they balls just charge in your feet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Sunday, you know, it's just a good game of, uh, a good weekend of footy here. Uh, so just the one this game is, on this Sunday. This is a good game too. Yeah. Brisbane v Brisbane Central Coast. Mariners, Mar- uh, Mariners have been good form, don't they? Yeah. Well, do you say that? But it's really 9 v 10. So, you know, but the two points, to be honest, again, you, you, you pick up a win and Adelaide, like obviously if they get beat to Perth, all of a sudden, Central Coast could find themselves um, right up in like sixth position from ninth. So, the Brisbane Roy—it's a real surprise the position they're in at the moment, and mm. uh, it's most probably worrying times for both of our Alawisi boys. But mm-hmm. uh, look, I think at home, uh, I think they—they've got a point to prove. I think Brisbane will kickstart their season, mm. and all of a sudden, three points as we know in this league—you mm. get two or three weeks of really good form, pick up those six points. All of a sudden, sorry, um, nine, nine points. All of a sudden, you're you're really like you can go from one end to the other like Ash O does. Mm-hmm. So I, I reckon Brisbane Roar at home. Yeah, I just think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Central Coast have been in reasonable form. I reckon they're due for a win. Uh, um, I reckon they win that one up there. Don't you? Uh, Edge. Tight game, but uh, Brisbane at home. But I'm looking forward to Dean's comments about Melbourne victory and Western Sydney Wanderers on Monday night. Well, it's really, really weird to talk about Melbourne victory when they're in eighth position. Uh, we, we haven't had that for a very long time, and uh, this is a massive game. I mean, let's 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 turn the clock to to Monday, and all of a sudden, Western Sydney Wonders show up, play, uh, which they're now currently in fourth position. So they definitely want the three points to to really be pushing the top two. All of a sudden, victory could be stranded on two points, mm. and. Um, and depending on the Central Coast Mariners and Brisbane result, they yeah. could be in the bottom two. And yeah. that's really unheard of. So, a lot of pressure on victory. Uh, yeah. I actually don't think they're playing that bad of football. Yeah, agree. But I actually, now with a new manager, with uh, Josip going to uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting game. I will uh-huh. go on the fence on this one, and I'll say a draw. Oh, on the, on wow. the paling. What about your age? Uh, <laughs> Are you going to sit on the fence with him or what? Uh, no, I think uh, I think Melbourne Victory is going to win this game. I do. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah no, I, I agree with game. you. I think this is where the, uh, um, the, the all their frustrations Kevin come out. Yes, uh, we'll have them frothing. They're still missing Bessart for one more game, but um, I think there's enough. Uh, Leroy George, I like the style of that young yeah, man. He's, he's been getting uh, fitter. Yeah, yeah. Dutchman, yeah. So I think mm. uh, they'll do well. All right. So um, a draw for Dino and a, a victory for victory for each. Can I just mention one just quick thing? Uh, the top goal scorers. Interesting if you read... Like the top four are all overseas players. Mm. Yep. And it's an, just an interesting, in fact, the top five, mm-hmm. in fact, the top six, I keep going down. <laughs> um, the top six are all overseas 
players. And mm. most probably that's the thing that's maybe worrying for Australian football yeah. is having a domestic striker like we had with Jamie McLaren, mm. uh, not in any of the teams that uh, you know contributing to the goal scoring. All right, let's talk about more than about that next week. Dino, enjoy the time up in Mooloolabar. We'll be speaking to you. Thank What's your you. next exotic destination where we'll be talking to you from next um, week? Next week, you will be catching me up in Seattle. In Seattle with the, uh, the Sounders, it's mate. It's the so Global gonna... Roadshow for Dino. And, uh, yes. looking, yeah, you're going to find well, someone. Look, just, just with that, we're going to hopefully do a, a one-on-one with yeah. um, a few of our friends over there. And obviously, um, that'll be pretty exciting where... Yeah. I want to do the same thing in England as well. Yep. So let, let's make sure I, I get the thing teed up before we announce it to all our listeners. And, yeah. uh, well, and we, right. we, we've, we've put the budget into the Chief Operating Officer of the Macquarie Radio Network to send the crew over there. So you'll have the, all the facilities there just waiting for you. Over <laughs> uh, and, and, like, man, we'll have, and, and we might even have the cameraman to, uh, to, to put it uh, on, on the, uh, the website. Nice, no, 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 just put his hand Yeah. Get John Hutchinson on board. Yeah. I'm sure he will, and it'll be really exciting. Okay, Dino, good on you, mate. Safe travelling. Uh, enjoy that flight up in the, the pointy end of the aircraft. Uh, don't drink oh, yeah. too much of that uh, fine French champagne and cognac. Uh, uh, just behave yourself, will you? No, I will. I promise that. <laughs> All, <laughs> right. All right, boys. Take well, care. Well done, Dino. Stick around, because uh, after the news, we've got a, a big second hour coming up. We've got uh, the FFA Director of Referees, Ben Wilson, to talk about the VAR. Will Hastie's going to be back in the studio talking about Europe, and we will wrap it up with Pat Panetta and stoppage time. That's next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to the FFA's Director of Referees, Ben Wilson, to dissect how the video assistant referee is going after last week's uh, well, interesting game against uh, Sydney and Perth. Then we'll have Will Hasty back in. Well, Will's going to stick around for this segment, in fact. He's going to stick around for news too, but he'll also be in the studio for the European football wrap. And, of course, we will end the show with stoppage time. Paddy, uh, we were uh, just about to get to Josip Gombau, the, uh, the, well, it was probably the, the one piece of news that everybody had expected by the time it was broken. That's right, Rob. Uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers have appointed a new head coach, Josef Gombau. A month-long search for Tony Poppick's successor came to an end on Wednesday morning when the Wanderers unveiled the former Adelaide, uh, Adelaide United and Oli Roos coach as their new head coach. The chairman said it was a simple choice to hire Gombau as the head coach due to his football philosophy being aligned with the club's desire to play an attractive, attacking style of game. Gombau indicated that he won't hold onto the systems established by former coach Popovic, uh, rather, he'd take his time to establish a style hinged on fast-paced possession football. I'm very interested to hear, yes, what uh, Will uh, Hasty thinks of this appointment, Will. Yeah, it's a good appointment. Um, I, I think he was the, the strongest and mm. uh, the one with the best credentials out there and available at the moment. And the Spanish players in the squad as well. Absolutely, I, and that can't be underestimated. But but Josip's uh, demonstrated a, a certain type of presence mm. that he brings to the sideline for the A-League. So we can be really excited, not just with that style of football, um, that he has also demonstrated he's capable of implementing into a playing group through his time with Adelaide. Um, but he's got that style, that charisma. I'm looking forward to some passionate knee slides <laughs> late in the game as his players. Yes, he'll be very popular the with a with a red and black block, won't he? he I think he will. Yeah, and I, I just think sometimes there's a good fit for yeah. um, fans, clubs, um, the style of play, and then the manager as well. 
Um, let's not forget Hayden Fox has done a good job yeah. as a young yep. Australian manager that's coming through. I think it's t- I think it was uh, the right appointment for Josip, but I'd like to think that Hayden can learn a lot in the next couple of years, maybe two, three years under mm. under Josip, develop his uh, managerial skills to the next level, and then we have another great young Australian manager ready to go um, when that time comes. I think he'd be a bit disappointed, but. Um, I do. I do believe Yossip was the best candidate that was out there for that. For that. What's it mean for the the under twenty threes, the Ollie Roos? Um, I mean, a lot was said when Yossip was appointed there that it was a, a role, a, a pivotal role in grooming the next generation of Socceroos and helping their development along, and also preparing for you know um, crucial Olympic qualifiers uh, in about twelve months' time. Um, so, what does it mean for that? Just um, another one out the door and they've got to go and find another one I guess yeah yeah no question um it's a blow uh, that's definitely uh, definitely a blow and and particularly with um you know popper's sudden departure I don't think anyone's really had the chance to 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 plan what the domino effect has been uh, since then um yeah it, it, that's definitely going to definitely going to be a challenge for the the FFAs um but that that role is always that, one so. for a, a new coach isn't it or or a coach who's looking to to step up so you, you don't really have um coaches with long tenures in those positions so yeah i guess uh, Gombau was always going to be looking for for that next opportunity and hopefully we'll we'll be right so hey patty let's get on to your next uh, item here this is a this is a big story and i'm i'm going to be interested to see who the uh, the first of our Look out, Kevin Mustard. This, this is for you, brother. Kenny Lowe, Kenny Graham Lowe, Arnold. Um, just, you know, there's a few. Fourth officials have been going out. Bang! Do you know, bang. My, my claim to fame <laughs> is that I went to school with Kevin Musket. He was in the year beneath me in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Yeah, did he, so I know him as a young man. Pat, did he kick you? <laughs> he was always a fiery... He was always a champion soccer player. Champion soccer player, absolutely. Yeah. So but in the, in the, in the yard when you're playing soccer with a tennis <laughs> ball, did he, the sliding tackle studs up come into it at all? I don't know if I should answer that no, question. Might have been the Dunlop volleys in the schoolyard. I <laughs> saw Rob's face when you asked him that question. <laughs> no, no. What school, what school was it, Patty? It was um, CRC, Catholic Regional College. He'd probably cringing listening to this. Do you remember me, um, uh, Kevin? Uh, I was the big tall guy. We, in fact, the Panettas. There was uh, four brothers, so we we're all over the place. So yeah, it was in um, St Albans, the, the Western. Correct, and there was lots of great Maltese soccer players and Italians, and we we're all there. But anyway. He's, he's done very well with his career. He has, and it, re- and it relates to this story of reds and yellow yes. cards, Paddy. That's right. Uh, A-League and W-League officials, this is a world's first, they've moved to stamp out abusive behaviour towards referees by introducing yellow and red cards for coaches. The trial starts this weekend and it makes the A-League and W-League the first competitions in the world to take on such a measure. Now, as you know, boys, uh, the referees already have a process to remove coaches after poor behaviour in the way of conversation to the coaches and you're warning them. Uh, This trial, though, essentially visualises those steps as a better way to communicate to fans that the referees are giving the coaches a formal warning and also it hopes to help promote respect towards the ref. So that's the idea. Now, kicking or throwing water bottles or using offensive language or gestures and that's just you, Rob Gilbert. There's my gag. That's just there's my gag. <laughs> okay, radio will. Who is the first coach who's going to copy yellow card in the A League or W League? Well, is there a sports bet market on this? There's got to be, hasn't it? Oh. Let's just let's have a prediction here. I reckon it's down to two people. I reckon Patrick Kaznorbo, W League coach for Melbourne City. He's a chance because he's got fr- yeah, Friday night. The, fir- the first game this comes in is the W League. Derby between Melbourne Victory and, and uh, Melbourne City, okay. which is the pre-game. So he's so easy chance. Right I don't now. think it'll be Jeb Hopkins. That's right. He might have already copped one. Uh, and then, obviously, 
Muskie's got to be right up the top of the tree. Well, well, Arnie's on tonight as well, though. Arnie's so, tonight, um, yeah. look, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think Muskie's a chance. You, you've got to have Muskie in there. Um, but I mean, I think that's why we love him, don't we? I mean, the, we the do, passion we that we well, see from Warren the George sideline. stands on the sideline, as we discussed last week, with his boots on. So <laughs> he could have a flying tackle boots. Uh, are up we on saying the he can, can you get a, a yellow card for fashion? Can you, can you get a, a yellow card for for how you dress, or is it just your behaviour? No, this I think just behaviour. Okay, we, he uh, said we had him on the show last week, Will, and we asked him. Rob asked him, "Look, we can't let you go without saying well, what are you doing." And uh, he said, well, it's better doing the warm-up like that than in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, well, look, that, that is a big story. And uh, and you'd be if, if there was a market, I would definitely be uh, um, having a couple of dollars. I reckon Patrick Casnorbo might come. I mean, he'd be a rank outsider, but he's the first game. And uh, nah, nah, I think yeah, Melbourne Victory is going to roll nah, this I think tonight. they'll behave themselves. I, I, I don't think the, the officials will be um, brave enough unless there's can, something outrageous. Can I just throw one in? You've you got to have Kenny in there as well, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny, Kenny's Kenny. a chance. Obviously, sure. a big chance. <laughs> well, he, look, he, he might want to uh, be just well, just another. Think, uh, and, he went, and, yeah, and don't forget, it's not just the head coaches. What about uh, Ross Aloisi? Oh, oh Ross gave the cheese. <laughs> He's a straight red. <laughs> If if uh, if if uh, yeah if it was Victory Adelaide this weekend and, Ross and Roscoe, chance, Roscoe yeah. and Muskie were, were there, <laughs> oh, mate, that's that's old school, that's quality. Hey, Paddy, let's go across the other side of the world. Um, how good were Spurs against uh, against cool. Real Madrid? And uh, Cristiano Ronaldo says there is no crisis, nothing yes, to see that's here. Right. Yeah, he's played it down. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo played down the crisis of uh, Real Madrid. Uh, after the European and Spanish champions were trounced 3-1 on their Wembley debut against Tottenham Hotspur on Wednesday, the Portuguese scored his sixth goal in the year uh, in the Champion League and 111th overall, so he's going OK, but it was merely a consolation effort as his side were outplayed on their first ever appearance at the iconic stadium. Real have suffered their worst domestic start for five years, so not a great start, boys. Yeah, we're going to talk about trouble? that. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little more uh, uh, with Will in the, in the European segment. Injury ravaged, they were. Let's not mm. forget they were injury ravaged and... Mm. Uh, not that that's really an excuse for the great Real Madrid, but uh, yeah. they were missing a few. Now, this next story probably usually gets into stoppage time, but, Pat, you've slipped it in here. <laughs> I have, yeah. Uh, so the seventh tier of English football is the National League North. Uh, it's issued a red card to a 24-year-old goalkeeper, Max Crocombi. Uh, for taking a pee in the 87th minute of the Salford City's <laughs> v Bradford Parks game. Uh, he side is Salford City. Uh, they won the game, by the way, 2-1. Uh, not sure, Well, I guess that does matter, doesn't it? They did win the game. It's been reported that he went off to the side of the stand and the ref was alerted by a linesman with the supporter believed to made uh, he's made an instant, he or she's made an incident report to the police too. So... Um, the P police. Yeah, the P. Yes. Mm. Well, that's P lease. The, well, that's not the only um, uh, story that came up in in the, the world of football this year um, in that department of the uh, the anatomy because uh, Mariano Bitolo had ten stitches on his uh, wedding tackle um, during the course of the week um, when a teammate's um, stud sliced open that said uh, item of his body. He writhed in agony after the kick uh, landed in his crotch. Uh, the poor bugger. So uh, look, I guess um, the one. Um, Good piece of news for him was that um, there were 10 stitches and not two. So uh, at least he'll be able to brag about that. Oh, oh, look, he's been practising that all week, Edge. That was, <laughs> he has been practising that all week. All right, boys. Uh, well done, Paddy. Uh, now, after the break, we are going to talk to the Football Federation of Australia's Director of Referees, Ben Wilson. Victoria. 
Yeah, well, he's not there yet. He might might be in a couple of weeks. But. Yeah, well, this is uh, now. Well, Ben Wilson is uh, the uh, the man who runs the referees, and he is going to tell us all about how the VAR is going. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner, and this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS. News Talk Sport. We're now going to get stuck into Europe very soon. But if you are going to Europe for an extended holiday, you need to get on down to Storage King, don't you, Edge? Because it's the secure way to store your TVs, your computers, your wine collections, and much, much more. If it's precious to you, store it safely for your return at Storage King. They are the kings of storage, moving, and more. Get on to Storage King at storageking.com.au or call 1-800-STORAGE today. Michael, uh, I know, but Will's got a Storage King facility because he goes to Europe regularly for work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, depending totally. on depending on um, Depending on where he's going, he goes down to Storage King. He's pulled, if he's going to Scotland, he pulls out his Celtic shirts because yes. he obviously likes to wear those around the street. Yeah, true. If he's going to Manchester, he pulls out the Manchester United shirts because he's obviously a big Manc fan. Mm. Um, and if he's going to other parts of the world, I know he's got a plethora he pulls out of his shirts. Sligo Rabbit shirt. What? He, yeah, well, he's got one of those hanging hanging on the hanging on the wall yeah. because he's a <laughs> member of the Cup Winner Cup Winners Cup. In Framed. fact, I've got. Framed. A, it's worth me telling this story. I was in Milan for work uh, one day, and I. I uh, checked into this little boutique hotel with about 20 rooms. I always knew you were a renaissance man. I did, I did. And uh, I was checking into the hotel and this, this uh, red-headed, um, red-headed lady behind the gate, uh, behind the thing, talking to me. She was talking in Italian and then she turned around and she talked to me. She had an Irish accent. I said, well, who, how do I find a, a blue-eyed red-headed lady in a Milan hotel? She said, oh, my father's from Milan and my mother's from Sligo in Ireland. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, Sligo in Ireland. And I said, I've got a very good friend who played for Sligo Rovers. In fact, I think he played in their only cup winning cup. And she looked at me and she went, do you know Will Hasty? Oh, wow. Absolutely awesome. true story. And what I did was call Will right on the spot, wake him up yeah. in the middle of the night in Australia and said, talk to this lady, would you? Yeah. And I did. And, and, I did. and, and, the, and, and the end of the story is, this lady also had storage in Storage King in Australia. <laughs> so get on Absolutely. down to storageking.com.au or 1-800-STORAGE today. Now, Europe, um, what a week it's been. Some fantastic fixtures. Uh, uh, the uh, the EPL is up and about because they're just winning everything. Um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo saying there's no crisis in Madrid. Um, where do we start? Oh, I think we start with, uh, obviously, Tottenham Hotspur's uh, fantastic result, a 3-1 victory. A will... Um, I mean, let's not go into too many superlatives, but it could be, for that group of Tottenham Hotspur players, it could be the result that really sees them kick on. Yeah, particularly um, young players like Dali Ali. Um, uh, and and uh, he was just uh, unbelievable. But their counter-attacking uh, ability in that game was, was outstanding, and particularly when you consider it's against Real, just takes it to another level. But... Um, yeah, the combination play between Ericsson, Ali and Kane is, is looking, you know, as good as any in Europe. And I actually thought they were a little bit unlucky not to win at the Bernabeu um, the week before. They they missed a couple of chances on the break, ironically, in that mm. game. Uh, and we were unlucky not to come away with three points. So I do think that's a result that can really drive them to the next level, um, both for that group of players for this season and potentially for uh, a number of seasons to come. The question continues to come for Spurs, doesn't it? Do they want to um, pay the the salaries that other clubs are paying or uh, do they trust Pochettino to replace players if they're going to lose some of their very best and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch it will be fascinating next year 
because the the, the good clubs do um, do a bit of both, don't they? They keep the ones that are need to be kept, and then they obviously bring in uh, the younger players. That they, it's all about the recruiting. But I mean, they're, they're on the verge of something special, um, and all Tottenham fans will be hoping they they can deliver because. You know, they've been thereabouts now for a couple of seasons. Um, let's just go through some of the other big results and pick the eyes out of them. Obviously, uh, Nap, the biggest game, I thought, of um, of the match day round was Napoli and Manchester City. Yeah, great Man- game. Manchester City scoring four goals um, away from home um, and really putting a bit of a stake in the heart of Napoli's uh, uh, chances. And they've been group. so good, uh, Napoli, we talked about well, that Well, they've been great before. in the, obviously, dominating the Serie A, so... Mm. Yeah, but when you talk about teams um, hitting people on the break as well, the the goals that City scored were um, just breathtaking in terms of the the speed of play. Um, and uh, I mean, is there a better player at the moment than De Bruyne mm. with you know his ability to get in between the lines? He drifts into both sides of the field in in wide areas. And the, the, I don't think I've, I've seen a, a modern-day footballer that has the pace of a pass like he does. He seems to be able to hit a pass that penetrates defences but just rolls beautifully uh, onto an, a running, an on-running uh, attacker. Yeah. And it's normally either a one-touch finish or a, or a one-on-one finish. He's in sublime form and um, Pep's really starting to build something special there. He is. I'll tell you what, a result that shocked me was Roma 3 0 over Chelsea. I mean, uh, um, continuing the, the fine tradition of um, English teams uh, failing in Italy. And Antonio Conte, uh, he, he's, he's the sort of manager that you get a lot of honest opinions from. He, de- he doesn't, um, you know, paper over the, the cracks with, uh, you know, the typical coach type speak. If he's concerned, he's concerned, and he is concerned. It'll be interesting to see what Dino says uh, about where Chelsea's at in his Premier League roundup. I think it does uh, relate to, to this um, because there still remain some questions about whether their season's really got going in general across mm. all competitions. And there, there's a lot of comment uh, of unrest and, and uh, a lot of the, the English media feel Conte is is just battling a bit with uh, where his squad's at, both with the relationship with the you, you hear rumours of, of relationships with the club and his disappointment that they didn't do better mm. in in his opinion in the transfer window in in the in the, in the close season. And you just There's only one person wins arguments at Chelsea though. Well, and I, th- I think that's been well and yeah. truly proven over over time. He'll be disappointed with that going back to to Italy and and being so comprehensively. Um, beaten, but um, I, but I they're still think... okay because of the fact that it was against Roma that uh, uh, you know that Atletico are, are in a bit of trouble as well. So uh, you know they're only one point behind um, Roma after that result. So uh, you know they've got a little bit of time to, to get out of trouble. I think that's the story out of out of that group um, mm. with Atletico looking like they won't be able to uh, mm. get to the next phase, which um, is I think is a surprise. Um, and we commented a little bit earlier, uh, at the end of match day four now, there's there's probably three teams that stand out of being in significant trouble of making it to the next round. Dortmund's in trouble. Um, they, they've struggled in their last two games against uh, Apoel, mm-hmm. uh, only only being able to draw on two occasions. And Napoli. Atletico Madrid are in trouble too. Yeah, yeah Atleti's in trouble. And, and off the back of that, those uh, two results to City-Napoli, find themselves in difficulty and and I think that's that's 
going to be really interesting their last two games because they're playing so well, Napoli. They really are. Yeah. Um, and yet they, they find with uh, Shakhtar Donetsk doing so well, they find yeah, themselves... Yeah, they would have thought the Ukrainian side would have done as well. And uh, in Group B with uh, PSG, you'd think, you know, with uh, with Neymar and uh, Kylian Mbappe, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the big noise about uh, the uh, international world of football, uh, yeah. they ought to be going uh, pretty uh, close to the sharp end. Well, I can say I, I just recently came back from right. Scotland and saw Celtic PSG in, in match day one. And it was breathtaking. It mm. was breathtaking. That team is playing the most remarkable football, mm. and watching it live mm. is—it's uh, an absolute joy. Uh, I also spent some time with the Celtic administration the following day, and even they said that you know they've taken this group to the next level. PSG mm. is now one of the European super clubs, yes. just by yeah. way of the squad depth. Um, they had and and um, we we actually we actually watched their squad on that day and mm. then my son turned around to me and said well, where's Angel Di Maria he wasn't even in the squad right oh, so yeah. you, you're looking around this this group of players uh, and and Julian Draxler was was warming up in front of us he wasn't in in the match day squad and and you just see what they're what they're capable of doing um, mm. it's next level stuff so they've mm. they've I think they've pluffed Plus 17. So it wouldn't surprise you to see... Okay, can they go all the way? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. With, with what I saw that night, um, it, their, their football was breathtaking. Mm-hmm. And, and Neymar gives them... Yeah. Neymar and Mbappe give yeah. them the X factor that they now need to, to take it to the, the next level. Okay, we've got FA Cup weekend this weekend, so we might mm. just, as we do, before you look at the Premier League, uh, Will, let's pick out some of the more obscure fixtures in the FA Cup at this time of the year, which we absolutely love. Um, one that uh, grabbed my attention was Port Vale versus Oxford United, mm. the Bulls. Love Oxford. Uh, yes, uh, great traditional. Uh, great, they, they do have love. Great tradition. Um, and they this do. Is, this is the beauty of the cup at, at this time. I mean, you'll see full stadiums. Uh, you'll see crowds uh, going crazy, and you, you get some of the more traditional English football clubs um, uh, re-emerging on on the stage and featuring. Uh, on the day, so uh, some, Ebers, some of the, some of the romance United, is, Some of these clubs, I mean, Ebbsfleet United host Doncaster Rovers, Forest Green Rovers host Macclesfield Town. I mean, we're obviously in the very early stages of the FA Cup. We love this competition. Um, it, it, you just pray for uh, some some highlights to come our way over social media in the next week of some of these, you know, these uh, lower league clubs doing it, doing the, doing the, doing it all. But um, Peterborough United, my great mate uh, Posh. He, he loved Peterborough and they play Tranmere Rovers. Plymouth Argyle play Grimsby Town. Some, some really uh, famous names. Famous, and some, yeah. some, um, and I mean, you've um, spent a little bit of time looking at the lower leagues uh, through your football career. And the, these, FFA, these FA Cup games for the lower clubs are really special, aren't they? they just oh. special for the fans, the towns that host the games, and, and uh, the upset results really do create legends for lifetimes. Yeah, absolutely. Local legends um, for lifetimes. And, and there's nothing like a full stadium. And mm. I, I, think, I think, you know, to, that's often a lesson for Australian football and, and, and the A-League. Mm. Like, you can have a, a local English stadium that's only got 3,000 capacity, yep. but it's full. 
it's exciting, it's electric, it's great to watch on television, um, more because of the atmosphere that's generated. Well, you look at even in, in, in the, so the Premier League, you know, with like Bournemouth, you know, when, when they play, they've only, what, capacity of 16, 17,000, but that joint just rocks when yeah. uh, when they play there. And you go, you know, as we were just talking about to the lower leagues, uh, it doesn't matter where you are, a full stadium, it, uh, it generates atmosphere. And, and I, I agree with you 100% that uh, that we need to be looking more at, uh, at purpose-built stadiums, not only for the fan experience, but also the visual experience when you're watching on TV. I think it was um, uh, the uh, the um, the Italian uh, uh, marquee signing for the Brisbane Raw, uh, Macaroni. Macaroni, yeah. During the week, was he was commenting on that thing? Yeah, and and I think he would coming um, from a player that uh, played at Empoli. I think in front of, but his point is well made. Ned <laughs> Zelic did uh, did tweet that, did but he? I do think I do think he makes a, a good point. Um, you know, we we, we remember. Uh, I think everyone listening to this podcast would remember, um, you know, Gold Coast and mm, five hundred yeah. people and echoing yeah, stadiums, yeah. and and it just doesn't work. So, um, I, the, so the the beauty of the beauty of the FA Cup is you do see the magic of what a small venue and an energetic venue can can inject into the life of the game. Okay, Premier League, let's uh, quickly have a look at that. For Australian interests, um, Huddersfield Town play West Bromwich Albion on uh, on Sunday, so that uh, that means um, Aaron Moy will have a late uh, uh, exit uh, on his way to San Pedro de Silva. I just wonder how he's going to get there from England, but uh, I imagine they would go through South America. I'm not really sure about that. But the big game in the Premier League for me is obviously Manchester City and Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal fans, I've spent a bit of time with Arsenal fans this week. Um, we've had Ars blog, Andrew Mangan in Australia for our Sports Writers mm-hmm. Festival, and uh, he's extremely nervous about this game. I think all Arsenal fans are. It could, it could be pretty ugly, couldn't it, Will? Yeah, definitely the way they're playing... Um uh, City's ability to to move the football and to drag defences into areas that they don't want to go is remarkable. And uh, yeah, certainly Arsenal haven't um, convinced that they'd be able to uh, to overcome that threat. So yeah, I think it could get ugly. Yeah, I think it, I think I think Arsenal fans are bracing themselves for for what it means. Obviously, um, for other Australian interests, Aaron Moy won't be alone on that plane ride. He'll have Matt Ryan with him because Matt uh, Ryan's Brighton and Hove Albion play against Swansea City also on Sunday. Um, but on uh, the Monday morning games, uh, obviously we talked about Manchester City and Arsenal, but the other big one is your mob. Uh, they travel down the road to London and play Chelsea. So Chelsea versus Manchester United, and I know that you'll be getting up to have a look at that. Yeah, absolutely. 3:30 a.m. Well, we've just commented that it's a difficult time for Chelsea. Um, however, what what better time to get your season? Uh, I don't think they need to get it back on track, but to to get a bit of momentum in your season by hosting uh, United at, at home. Um, and Jose's had a, an interesting week, hasn't he? He's um, he seems to be giving the the Man United fans a little bit of a, a backhander, and he does, and, doesn't he? Yeah. Why would uh, he do that? Uh, well, I'm not sure. He seems to be wanting to to pick a fight. I, I think he he thrives on the competitive tension, and and I think that's where he thinks he creates um, the best performances for both himself and through that his teams. He, uh, there's a competitive tension about him all the time. Um, look, United look stronger than they've ever looked, and and I think they can. Uh, go to Stamford Bridge and, and take the points. Excellent analysis, Will. Uh, we've got Dino out of town for a little while. I suspect that you... He might, might be out of a job, Dino. 
Yeah, he's uh, waiting on the line for us. Um, so uh, hello, Dino. Going. That's enough. <laughs> I, I, I did tell Dino you better better be careful about vacating the seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, one of the uh, the hot topics this week has been the VAR. We're going to talk to Ben Wilson, the director of referees at the FFA. We're going to find out just what happened last week uh, with the Perth Sydney game and uh, and about the red and yellow cards uh, coming up on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course, our podcast on box to box ntscomau where you can hear all 103 episodes of this program. Now, we've covered a lot on the show so far uh, this evening, but uh, uh, the one subject we haven't really delved into is the issue of the video assistant referee, the VAR. Now, it's, it's sort of groundbreaking stuff in this competition, but last week it wasn't that popular in the, uh, the Sydney FCV Perth game uh, because uh, of the delay. Now, to dissect this, because I know there are a lot of logical reasons um, and and I have uh, uh, some sympathy for those. Uh, ben Wilson, the Director of Referees at the FFA. Welcome to the show, Ben. Hello, thanks for having me. Not at all, Ben. Um, we wanted to go straight to the top to to, um, to get the, the FFA's opinion on this. And, uh, you know, the, the man who uh, controls all issues around referees is you. So this, can you just break down this particular incident? I know, you know, this is a football program and, uh, you know, 99% of the people listening will be aware of it. But uh, but in the in terms of the way the incident played out and and the reasons for the delay last week, and then we'll, we'll get into more issues around the VAR. Yeah, sure. Um, so what happened was there was a shot on goal and, and it came off a Perth defender. Um, it, it went back to a Sydney player who had another shot, uh, which hit the same Perth defender, and the referee gave a, gave a penalty for the second um, contact. Um, so because it was a penalty, it was within the protocol for the VAR to review it. Um, and unfortunately, uh, for this particular occasion, the VAR uh, got caught looking at the first contact, which hit the player's chest, um, and he was looking for a reason to um, see how that could possibly have been a penalty and he spent too much time looking at that and by the time he realised that the second penalty was what was awarded and it hit the player's left arm which was behind his body and not his right arm which was in front of the um, body, um, it, it took such a long time for him to, to realise that, um, that there was a long delay, an unacceptable delay um, and then he wasn't sure so he, he asked the referee to go do an on-field review and the referee uh, then saw what he had saw live and made the same decision to award the penalty. Ben, I think um, for all of the fans listening to the program around Australia, <clears throat> it would be good to just take... I mean, this is a, an educative process as much as anything. Um, the VR is a, um, an interesting piece of technology that... Uh, a lot of people in the game think he's going to make um, the game better. But can you just take us through the, the steps in a VAR when the referee... Call, who actually calls for the video assistant referee decision to be made? Is it, it, or is it always the on-field referee or can the VAR um, referee um, see something and then advise the field referee to call for it? Yeah, it can be either, basically. Um, so there's... Uh, only a certain number of match-changing decisions that uh, the VAR can rule on. Um, so any goal or penalty or red card incident or missed red card or missed penalty, they can all be checked by a VAR, and they are all checked by the VAR. If the VAR sees that in that check- checking process there is a clear error, so maybe the ball has gone out before a goal is scored or a, a player has scored a goal with a, with a deliberate handball, um, the referee is informed that... Um, 
in the opinion of the VAR, there's been a clear error. And, and he's informed by the by his earpiece. Yeah, through through the communications piece. Yeah. Uh, the VAR says, look, that's a clear error. I recommend you change your decision. At which point, if it's a, a judgment call, the referee may choose to go to the sideline and, and double check for himself, such as maybe a, a trip or a red card situation. If it's um, objective ball in and out or the penalty inside or outside the penalty area, um, he should be able to take the advice of the VAR. And if the VAR says that he has footage that shows the decision is clearly wrong, then we're able to overturn that decision. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the FFA's Director of Referees, Ben Wilson. So, Ben, in the instance of Friday night, um, now that we've, we've cleared up uh, some of those uh, misconceptions around the VAR itself, uh, um, what protocols have uh, you put in place now to prevent um, misunderstandings like that? Because, uh, you know, we're talking about the, the white-hot uh, pressure of, uh, of a, a top-flight game of football. Um, a, a video referee as experienced as Strebray-Dolovsky, who has uh, uh, certainly got a lot of knowledge of, uh, of what it's like out there on the pitch. Uh, um, the miscommunication, was it from the pitch to, to the video referee or uh, um, or how did that happen and, and what, what are we going to do to prevent it? Yeah, yeah, excellent question. So it's um, it's obviously very new, this, this uh, VAR for our, for our VARs and our, for our referees and we've done a lot of training. We've been uh, well prepared for this. IFAB make it a requirement that we do a lot of training, a lot of practice matches a lot of live training sessions before we can actually use this in the A-League. Um, but ultimately, there's still a, an element of, of human um, judgment and, and human error um, possible. Uh, in the occasion we had um, on Friday night, it wasn't so much a communication error uh, in that um, Sheb just wasn't quite sure uh, what what the referee was looking at. So in terms of the protocols we've introduced that we, we didn't really have as tight as we could have, um, the referees have been told that they need to give more information to the to the video assistant referee as to what the decision is. So, in the example we have, um, if the referee had said, um, "Shrebby, I'm looking. I've given the penalty for the second contact. I've given it for a handball because it hit the player's left arm," then Shreb would have been able to move straight to that incident and know what he was looking at, mm-hmm. rather than saying he's given a penalty. I'm not quite sure yeah. if it's for the first handball or the second handball, and, and that. I'm going to cut back, I think, the uh, the delay in, in getting to a decision. Yeah, and look, you're rolling out new technology like this. Um, I think we all have to be uh, grown-ups on this and accept that, yes, it wasn't acceptable, but it happened, we move on, uh, uh, we learn from it, and uh, and hopefully it doesn't happen again. Uh, yeah, look- just on that, if we get the decision right, that's the first thing, um, and we've, we've been getting the decisions right, the reviews we've been mm. making, and they're not very many of them, but we're getting the decision right. Um, then with time we'll, we'll be able to, and experience, we'll be able to bring that uh, decision-making time back to something that's more acceptable to everybody. Ben, earlier in the show we uh, we talked about the news item of the week, <clears throat> which has probably led to you having a busy week, is that uh, obviously from this round, the trial around red and yellow cards for coaches enters enters the uh, the equation. Um, we'd like, uh, we, we've had a bit of a... Um, Bit of a, a bit of a. We won't uh, ask him for his tip on. No, no, this was exactly what I was going to do. I was going to ask him who's the first coach to get a yellow card. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> ah, a referee with personality? No, league. come on. It'll be someone in the A League, not the W League. Oh, someone in the A League, not the W League. Oh, so, narrowed so down. I actually think it'll be Patrick Casnovo because uh, mm. he's first up. Uh, he's no, got the, the first the game. The short price market has got <laughs> Kevin Musket, as we already know. So, but it, but it's 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 um. A, you know, an innovative in, um, introduction and one that formalises what's already a pre-existing um, setup. Yeah, it does. So, it, in a way, 
we've already got a system that is very similar to um, a warning, a yellow card, a red card. It's just not visible to the public. So introducing the yellow and red cards really just formalises something that we've already got in place. Uh, I don't think that we're going to change the, the tolerance level for our previous Ask, Tell, Remove um, with these yellow and red cards, um, but it does allow people to understand um, that a coach, for example, is on their last warning um, in terms of their behaviour, and the next step would be a, a red card or, or removal from the technical area. I have a question on that because um, I was fascinated when I sat right behind the bench in last year's FFA Cup final uh, at Melbourne City and uh, Sydney FC, I watched Graham Arnold um, rip into the fourth official uh, more than he spoke more to the more to the fourth official than he did to uh, to the players on the pitch. Um, can the fourth official uh, direct or give feedback to um, the, the the field referee for uh, the purpose of giving them a yellow card? Yeah, absolutely. So initially, um, the fourth official does uh, manage the technical area, and they will speak or give a warning to. Um, team officials in the technical area if um, unacceptable behaviour continues then yes again with the communication system they can tell the referee that, of the of the action and um, the referee can then make the decision to give a yellow card or a red card Arnie's just slipped a favourite <laughs> he has after that <laughs> yeah well Edge has got the Edge's conspiracy theory and I and I, I do subscribe to this a little as I do you know some others do is that um, that the purpose of speaking to the um, fourth official is so that the, the match referee can actually hear what the coach is saying through the, <laughs> the mic um, has that ever been speculated on there Ben? Um, actually I haven't heard that because they've got a push to talk button uh-huh. um it doesn't, won't go through automatically. So that's, uh, uh, Arnie, you're wasting time. your time. No, no, no. That, hence why that night we could hear Arnold saying, have you told him? Have you told him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, the pitch side microphones for the broadcaster um, do pick up a lot of that conversation. Um, so yeah. I think the, the coaches are aware that they can be heard on the broadcast and yeah. hopefully with this uh, deterrent as well, they... They uh, you know, behave as they should as a leader of the club. Yeah, and, and that's the point, really, isn't it? I've been involved in junior sport um, as uh, all the boys in this studio, and you obviously have as well. And uh, and we know that any of this sort of stuff, uh, anyone who's involved in professional sport that says they're no, not a role model is uh, has got their head in the sand because everything that happens filters down. So um, uh, this behaviour is uh, is the sort of stuff that's got to get stopped. So uh, hey, Ben, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Um, we're really grateful for your time. Um, you've really nailed uh, the answers uh, on a, a few of these hot topics and uh, hopefully um, we won't see any cards this weekend, mate. <laughs> no, I hope so. Yeah, good on you, Ben. Well done, mate. Stick around. After the break, stoppage time. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box and the fourth official signals. There's just seven minutes left in the program. It's been a good show so far. Some uh, new voices, Paddy Panetta, Will Hasty uh, in the show. We've had some fun. Uh, Will, uh, what's been your highlight? It wasn't my um, crappy story uh, about the, the poor uh, player who um, had the stitches. Yeah, it was your terminology, wedding tackle. I'm sure that uh, captured Will's imagination. Yes. Very Roy and HG, the wedding tackle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I that. wasn't quite prepared for that one. <laughs> but uh, Oh, look, no, my, my highlight's a serious, uh, a, a more serious football one. Uh, I think Tottenham's performance against mm. uh, Real this week um, mm. could be defining for that uh, football club and that, especially that team of players. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you just need to get over a, a, a hurdle that some people don't think you mm. can get over before you, you truly believe that you're next level. And um, they, they they got beat at Old Trafford 
last week and the questions were, were asked about whether they can really sustain um, a high-quality, high-level uh, standard of football. And, and I watched the game and they were outstanding. Their counter-attacking play was different class and Pochettino really has a team that he can set up now for a whole range of different football scenarios that I think... Um, if they stay fit and stay healthy through the through the winter over there, um, they can be a, a real competitor for a long time to come. And Paddy, your uh, first outing on Box to Box, mate, you came in off the bench. Uh, you covered yourself in glory. Uh, thank you. All the socking, all the sport uh, terminology there. Thanks, Rob. Um, you haven't asked me what my legacy will be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I want to know, Pat. Uh, we, we have to introduce Pat's with us. Uh, uh, probably for quite a while and uh, in different uh, forms and capacities. But, um, Pat, um, we know, well, Rob and I know you're a Juventus fan, but the, fa- but the listeners of Box to Box right around Australia don't. Can you tell us uh, why you love the black and white stripes? Oh, it'd have to be because of the heritage in a way, isn't it? Um, you know, being Southern Italian and growing up, you know, with these big family gatherings and all the Italians around, Juventus always played a strong part of that, you know, and the, the black and white jersey and, uh, yeah, soccer. Or, sorry, we don't say soccer in this program, do we? No, we, we don't. But, but, our, but our generation, we did grow up knowing it as soccer. I don't mind referring it to a soccer because that's the way it was. But it is football. We understand that. But um, the, the millennials, please don't bat up, um, beat up on Rob and <laughs> Pat and I because we call it from soccer from time to time. Please don't beat up on me. No, yes, that's all right. Well, look, uh, you, you just go to the uh, the biggest um, economy in the world who uh, who only ever refer to it as soccer over in the States, do they? they if you called it football... Well, that's a good reason why we should call it there. football. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, good uh, point. Yeah. Halloween, oh, well, so, that's another but, story. But no, let's, I, just, Sorry. Um, I want to ask Will. Well, we, we, we haven't uh, covered Will's... Uh, uh, glorious uh, stint at Celtic, and uh, as a young fella, we'll, we'll glorious. Was, uh, I just yeah. wanted to. Uh, how much time we got, Rob? It's a hell of a lot more glorious than ours. Four minutes. Yeah, this is this is pretty good. Will just for the the fans out there. I mean, um, we love our football. We love our domestic football. But we love our international clubs, and there's a bit of um, nothing like the international club that is Celtic. And you had an opportunity to go there as a an apprentice, as a young fella, when you were part of the Young Socceroos program you you spent some time over there can you just share some memories of those times and what it was like um even as a young fellow being being involved uh, at that club and going to see the derbies at uh, parkhead and those types of things yeah it's a special club a uh, special place and you certainly um and people talk about feeling a special atmosphere when you walk into venues and um, yeah, that, that's one of the you know, traditional world football clubs that was um, created and started more for social reasons than football reasons, and as such, to this day, means something to to a section of the community that's quite special. Um, and obviously, the green side of, of Glasgow, and then there's the blue side of Glasgow, which really has, um, yeah, the, the, in my view, the the most intense um, derby, the most intense rivalry in the world. And and to be in, the, to, to to actually put the jersey on and play in that, even be it in in a junior. A game, an under-18 game or a reserve game at the time was just, you know, some of the most intense football that you can prepare for and then play. And even then, good crowds around grounds and, and, and things like that just for the young teams, just because the what it means to so many people. And 
Um, but the way that came about for me was was phenomenal. Um, I, I was part of the under-16 Australian team that that played in the World Cup in Scotland at that point in time, and, and, and it was a generation that you know had Schwarzer and Popovic and Korica, and and we mentioned uh, the great Roscoe Aloisi um, a, a bit earlier in the program. He was in that team. It was just such a a great generation. Muskie was a year younger. Um, he didn't make that team, but he made the 20s a little bit later. So it was that generation that that was coming through. Um, but I never came home. I got uh, I got signed by Celtic uh, during the tournament and never got on the plane and came home and, and didn't return home for another 10 months. So wow. um, as a 16-year-old uh, who has a 16-year-old child now, I, I often think what Papa Joe, my dad, and, and my <laughs> mum were thinking leaving I mean, because that is an incredible story. In, in Glasgow. Do you remember your conversation with your dad? Because I know your dad, I mean, he's such a fan. He would have... Been doing backflips and cartwheels, but but what about mum? You know, because it means you know dis- dislocation, school, all that sort of stuff. But can you remember the conversations, the family conversations? Yeah, well, the the, the famous Billy McNeil was manager of the club at the time, who's who's the, probably the greatest icon in the club. He lifted the the European Cup in '67, which they're celebrating 25 years mm. of it at Parkhead. At the moment, he put his arm around my mum, a big Caesar. You know, they they call him and said, "Don't don't worry, Mrs. Hasty, we'll look after your mm. boy." Now, I think my mum looked at him as if to say, "Really?" And <laughs> my dad went weak at the knees, right? Because it was dad's hero, and um, it was a, a phenomenal time. And and look, it was tough. It was tough. I went from being 16 into into a man's world really, really mm. quickly. Uh, but defining times which give you the resilience that you get now. Yeah. Uh, but as you suggested there, um, my dad, Papa Joe, still has a car with Celtic number plates on <laughs> he it. Does. So, so when I you rock up to Will's house, as I do from time to time, and, yeah. and Papa Joe's there, which he is mostly, um, <laughs> you see the Celtic, the, number, the green number plates, Celtic. Still there. <laughs> still there. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, I think yeah, in, in all honesty, it, it was just as much his dream as, as it was mine. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, tremendous. It was right, but it, from purely football terms, it's changed a lot now. Um, it was right at the time when not many young players came over overseas. There wasn't many around. Bozza was down at, at United. Um, there wasn't really many leaving. We were staying in Australia for a lot longer, um, and of course that's flipped now. You know, a lot, a lot go a lot younger. The the, the development programs are a lot better over there. It was a little bit old school in 1989. I can't believe I'm saying 1989 to be honest. Um, and of course, Will, Will's dad. For the older listeners around uh, the the program around Australia, will know Will's dad is a fabulous player for Alexandros, for Alexander Heidel and United. Isn't that a shock to everybody that, <laughs> that Edge would get that one? Will, yeah, it's been right, Edge. a delight to have you on the show. It certainly won't be the last time, mate. Thank you. It's been Excellent. tremendous to come in, and um, I'm happy to come in any time. Absolutely, mate. Edge, uh, our, our debutant Paddy Panetta, also uh, brilliant work, Pat. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed being on the uh, on this episode of Box to Box. And you'll be back next week. That is full time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game. Foster Cogliu. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>